Hey everyone, it's James, an Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on my YouTube channel. It is accessible through TheNotoriousBankerTV.com. Yours truly, The Notorious Banker, provides additional commentary about horrible banks and The Notorious Banker's battle to fight back against them. We talk about stories that may not be in the audio podcast, plus we add much more. We also include horrible bank reviews. We rate branches from all the big banks across the country through Google reviews, and we explain what they could have done much better. Plus, of course, we respond to viewer emails and questions that you may have. I recommend that you go to TheNotoriousBankerTV.com, subscribe to my page once you get there, and enjoy the additional commentary yours truly, The Notorious Banker, provides. Plus, you get to see me as an added bonus, so please sign up today. Hey, everyone. Welcome. It's James, and welcome to The Notorious Banker Podcast. 2,890 amazing followers at BankBetterGuy on Twitter. Dozens more at Patreon.com, where for as little as a $1 subscription, you can help the Notorious Banker fight back against big banks. And I'm proud to say, as of this morning, 5,016 amazing followers on TikTok at Notorious Banker. Guys, thank you so very much for that. I really do appreciate it. And you may notice with my intro, whenever I thank everyone for listening and for being a patron, I added TikTok to there. Well, I've been mentioning it in my podcast. I've been talking about it for quite a while now that I was going to launch a TikTok and I was going to be able to be creative and be informative in a way that I never thought I would be. And um, I started earlier this week. That's why I've been kind of uh, once a week on the podcast for now. It's kind of a slower time of the year. So um, we'll amp it up to two a week whenever news warrants, of course. But holy crap, how amazing TikTok is. I got to tell you, I am a believer now. Whenever I would see people go viral on that, when I saw that dude on the skateboard um, listening to Fleetwood Mac, I mean, I I was impressed by the amount of attraction he got out of that. And um, the first thing I noticed was, shit, he's old like me. (laughs) I believe he's the same age I am, 37 years old. So I was really impressed that someone that age can find um, viral status on TikTok. So I said, you know, I can do the Notorious Banker on there. I can do what I do and be entertaining, being informative, be a little funny because honestly, a lot of my frustration with banks, um, you have to find humor in some of it because it's just so ridiculous sometimes. The only problem that I have, and I'm talking to you right now, we're one minute and 45 seconds in, is being succinct. And TikTok only allows you to go to one minute per video. So I'm trying to find a way to creatively write and tell a story within one minute while trying to be funny and while trying to add perspective and things that the young kids like. They like to see great video editing. They like to see something that catches their eye right away or they're going to just swipe away from you. But I posted a couple of videos and the one that I posted about Bank of America's savings accounts and how ridiculous those savings accounts are where if you want to, the minimum deposit to open up a savings account at Bank of America is $100. So if you go into the bank with $100 in your savings account and you don't have the opportunity to save for the whole rest of the year, if you go back to check in on your savings account one year later instead of $100, Um, You're not going to earn any interest. In fact, you're going to lose money because you never hit the minimum balance requirement. And you're actually only going to have $4 out of that $100 one year later. And it blows my mind to this day. It blows my mind that I was still opening these savings accounts for the longest time. And the fact that I sold it as part of the package and part of uh, an amazing relationship at Bank of America when it's really not. So I was able to kind of convey that in a, in an informational form. And whenever you hear informational, I think of those like wildlife shows that kids watch on Saturday mornings that are lame as shit. And don't get me wrong, I like learning about animals, but they're boring. Um, I watched cartoons myself. I watched sports, you know. Um, 
informational, educational is one thing, but to be funny and to be provocative and to be able to get someone's conversation going about banks on TikTok really blew my mind. Um, I posted that video and um, I got 12,000 views pretty much immediately, which is amazing. Over 600 likes and conversations that I didn't think that I could have or people had on TikTok where they said Bank of America closed out my account. I bank with this bank because they're good and they're online only and they treat me right. And, you know, this bank is not as bad as Wells Fargo. And then we have those conversations about why Wells Fargo is bad and why Bank of America is worse in some in some aspects. Um, it's only 150 characters per message on there, so I have to be even more succinct than I am on Twitter, which is hard for me. But we're having those conversations, and with those um, comments, it leads to more um, virality. Virility? I don't know. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is for viral, but um, it, it leads to that, which actually leads to more people finding your video and more views and more comments. So I really see this as an opportunity to kind of expand my horizons and reach an audience that does not listen to this podcast, to be quite frank with you. I've looked at my demographics on Spotify, and basically people between 22 and 50 years old listen to this podcast, and 60% of them are male. And I definitely want to reach out to more people younger and older, and I want to reach out to the female population because that's important too. And it's something where Bank of America uh, prides itself on being the place to work for women and, you know, and a women's empowerment thing. They've donated money and all that. Well, women get impacted by bad banks, too. So I want to I want to expand those conversations as well. But TikTok has been a godsend and I've been wanting to do it for a while. Um, I have a niece who's 11 years old and she's into the wearing wigs and cosplay and anime and all that stuff. And I'm proud of her that she's finding her her niche. She's finding the thing that makes her creative. And, you know, we don't get a chance to talk deeply that much, you know, because she's still a kid. But I told her, I said, be yourself, be who you are. And that's going to make you be, be the happiest. And doing the Notorious Banker is what makes me happy. And whatever she's doing, as long as it makes her happy, I'm really proud of her. And I really, really think this, and I think the people on TikTok and the people who do projects like mine or, you know, in other aspects or whatever, as long as you don't lie to yourself, as long as you believe in what you believe in and and the audience, the public will notice that, um, you'll be fine and you can thrive if you know what you're talking about and you, you sound intelligent, you don't sound hateful and spiteful and you have a message that people should hear, you're going to kick ass. So seeing how how excited my niece is to be on TikTok and how other people around me are, I decided to jump in and so far so good. Over 30,000 likes on the videos that I've had so far and um, tens of thousands of views per video and more to come. I am drafting up scripts as we know it. I'm going to be able to talk about things to another set of audience that... Um, that I haven't talked to before, so I think that's going to be fun. But I'm not going to let Twitter down. I'm not going to let this podcast down. I'm going to continue to work hard to fight back against big banks like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, and City. They need a talking to, and I'm here to do the talking to. Today's podcast is going to be um, short and sweet here. We're going to talk about an incident that happened in New York City with a Bank of America market executive. Now, a market executive is basically the role of the person who fired me at Bank of America. They are the boss of the personal bankers, relationship managers, whatever you want to call them at Bank of America. 
Well, he was arrested for allegedly taking bribes from small businesses in his area to um, coach them into getting their loans through the system of Bank of America and pushing those loans through underwriting, and he would get kickbacks off the loan himself. Hundreds of thousands of dollars are alleged to have transferred hands into his hands over the years, and I think it's frankly disgusting. It just shows a whole new level of greed that Bank of America is known for, that I've known for 15 years, but... And this is a big but here. A lot of people don't realize that yeah, this dude taking bribes is one thing. But at the same time, he was hitting his sales goals and getting bonuses off of those things too. So he was double dipping on money that he made. Not to mention he had a six-figure plus job probably. So we'll be talking about that. And then I just want to get into something um, that I'm not going to go too far into. But I... Um, and broaching the breaking the barrier of going public with the notorious banker i did an interview um this well yesterday um about something that is near and dear to my heart the last couple of months and that's the california edd problem i'm not going to get into what i said in the interview but i want to talk about the problem because i haven't laid it down on a podcast in a while and i just really think that and i did a youtube video about it i just think people really need to know about it and know about it asap I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that Monday, December 7th, 2020, will be the 15-year anniversary of my first day at Bank of America, Pearl Harbor Day. I'll remember it like it was yesterday. It was a Wednesday afternoon that I walked into Bank of America for the first time. I gave them my social security card and ID so they can scan into their, quote, system of employees. And then I was able to observe and see how transactions were done, see how people cash checks, see how people you know, made deposits and all that. So I learned how to be a teller on that day 15 years ago, Monday. And I got to tell you, it's been a whirlwind experience. 15 years is pretty close to half my life. And I live and breathe banking. I love banking. I loved helping customers. I don't love Bank of America, but I am grateful that they gave me the opportunity to learn about this business that I love so much because now as they're filling the system, as they're filling the general public, yours truly the notorious banker is able to talk about it and talk intelligently. And I, I learned in my interview that I had yesterday that I was I get a little amped up when I talk about it because I'm passionate about it. I love this stuff, man. I love helping people, and people need to do better. And you know what? If 206,000 people at Bank of America can't do their job, I'm one six foot two, 295-pound individual who can pull the weight of a good chunk of those people, and I'll help them through all this stuff. And Bank of America doesn't need to pay me because I have loyal listeners and followers who will compensate me for my efforts and energy for helping the American public fight back against big banks. So after this brief promotional consideration, we're going to talk about Mr. Kurt Phelps, market executive from New York City, arrested uh, Bank of America executive taking bribes, allegedly, in exchange for facilitating loans for people who did not qualify. Please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James, the Notorious Banker, and you may have heard me talk about my Patreon page on my podcast. That's patreon.com slash notoriousbanker, where for as little as a $1 subscription, you can help yours truly, the Notorious Banker, continue to fight back against big banks. But I also want to let you know I do accept Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal as well. For information on how to send me contributions through those means, go to james at thenotoriousbanker.com or direct message me at bankbetterguy on Twitter. 
What does your contribution to the Notorious Banker do? Well, it allows you additional content that may not be available for someone who does not contribute. Plus, you allow yours truly to sit here and work full-time for the little guy fighting back against the big banks such as Bank of America, Chase, City, and Wells Fargo. I work hard, I work like hell, and I get things done. So your contribution allows me to pay the bills to continue to function as the Notorious Banker. So if you have the means, I, I would graciously appreciate any donation that you would love to give to the Notorious Banker Project as we continue to fight back against big banks. All right, and I'm back with more Notorious Banker Podcast. So Monday morning, I wake up, you know, a little bit late. I woke up at 7.30, which is really late for me. And I've been waking up late these days because it's cold and I've been aggressively warming myself up in bed. I have a heated blanket and all that. So I sleep a little differently. So I'm trying to adjust to that. I wake up at 7.30 in the morning and I get three DMs. And it's from three of my followers. It says, you've got to read this story. And then I get a tag on another post saying, James, did you read about this? And it's an Apple News article about what I'm talking about right now. And I look at it, and first thing I see is Bank of America exec arrested for bribery, and my mouth just was a gape. It was probably a gape anyway because probably a little drooly, a little bit crusty-eyed. I was still waking up, but I was blown away by what I saw on the headline article clicked on it of course it takes me to the charlotte observer reporter austin weinstein was um on the call here writing about this bank of america executive and um i've said it before and i'll say it again um one of the best banking reporters in the business and it's you know there's so many of them there's so many people all across the country that talk about this thing and i feel that some people don't do it well at all but he is a true reporter, he's the one that talks about everything and makes it easy to read for the casual reader. Someone who doesn't give a shit about banks the way that I do, the way that you know the people who listen to this podcast do, he makes it easy to digest and I really appreciate that. Um, I'm going to link to the article in the show notes and um, I'll be kind of reading off some of the things within the article here, but I'm not going to read the full article to you verbatim because what you got to do is you got to click on that article, you got to read it in full, and you got to you got to support local newspapers even if this newspaper is not in your local area. I am a big newspaper proponent. I was six years old, 1989, reading the Albuquerque Journal with my dad, and I mean I could see the look in my mom's eyes of like, what a weird freaking kid at six years old. You know, 30 plus years later, yes, I don't buy the actual physical newspaper anymore. I rarely go out, you know, so I read it online. I subscribe to a number of newspapers online, Charlotte Observer included, because um, it's important. It's important to have these, you know, these conversations because when you don't have a local aspect to news, a local perspective to news, then you really stop caring about the news. That's uh, that's the way that I'm feeling you know, I believe Seattle doesn't have their their main new newspaper anymore. And I read somewhere a month or two ago that Salt Lake City has two newspapers and both of them are going away the way that we know them to weekly only. And that reminds me of my local newspaper in Socorro, New Mexico that's published once every Thursday. And it's four pages long. I mean, it's crazy how little effort that some of these companies are doing with newspapers now. So support... Um, local papers, even though Charlotte Observer is owned by a humongous corporation, just like a lot of other major newspapers, but such is life. So I'm linking to it in the show's notes. Um, click on it, take a look at it, because frankly, um, newspaper companies like that look at clicks. They look at 
you know, click through, how long did this person read, all these stats, you know, all the shit that I talk about with banks and how much they love their stats and they love finding, you know, flaws in your argument saying, oh, well, a million people clicked on this, but they were only on this page for 13 seconds. I mean, newspapers and media companies do that too. So um, support the Charlotte Observer. They're a really good paper. And honestly, anything that I lean to in the show's notes, unless it's something that I'm totally railing against, I'm in support of. So take a look at that. All right, now that I've wasted about half an hour of your time, let's get to the actual article here. Bank of America exec arrested for bribery. Fed say banker ran kickback scheme. Blew my mind away when I saw this article. And the fact that my followers tagged me in it, it made me feel good because I know that they're looking at this stuff a little bit more intently now just because of me. And I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of the work that I do. So here it goes. Read the first three paragraphs here. It says a former New York-based Bank of America executive received tens of thousands of dollars at a time in cash bribes, federal prosecutors say, in exchange for fraudulently helping a New Jersey firm get a line of credit at the bank. Kurt Phelps, the executive, was arrested October 29th in charge with bank bribery and conspiracy to commit bank fraud. Phelps' arrest is a rare instance of an executive at a major U.S. bank arrested for their conduct as a banker. Let me stop right there really quick. And I really appreciated that line in Austin's article because it's true. It's a rare instance. What did I talk about a couple of podcasts ago? CEO of Wells Fargo, John Stump, former CEO, should have been arrested for his crimes in part of the unauthorized account scandal. Of course, you know it as the fake account scandal uh, for what he did, for what he was responsible for. I do believe he should have been led away in handcuffs from his $9 million house and he should have been put on trial. Whether or not he was acquitted or found guilty or not, I would have just loved that part of it because frankly, I would have got video of a mugshot or video of him being led away perp walk in handcuffs. That would have been worth all the millions of dollars that he earned ripping off customers. So that's true. You know, a rare instance an executive getting arrested for banker conduct is important. Federal prosecutors accused Phelps of a bribery scheme in which he coached StarNet Business Solutions. Now right there, if I saw a company that had, that banked with us called StarNet Business Solutions, I would immediately think it's a fucking fake business. That just sounds like a fake business name. Anything with solutions that isn't Bank of America just sounds fake. And it says, a Mawa, New Jersey business. Um, to falsify financial records to get a line of credit from Bank of America in exchange for cash. Phelps pocketed hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes over a number of years, prosecutors said. Now, that's the thing that bugs me, and I'm going to get to it really quick here. He is a gold associate. Even though he's an executive, he has a boss too. He has like an area executive or a regional executive. So he has to report to that person with a sales goal because he's responsible, according to his LinkedIn, and I'll get to that in a second, uh, for 11 relationship managers. If those 11 relationship managers hit their goals and Kurt hits his goal and he gets a quarterly incentive for that. Now, I made about $1,500 on average of my quarterly incentives, and I always say rule of two. Multiply it by two anytime you go up the chain. And he was approximately two chains above me in pecking order for how far I went and to where he was. So let's just say that my branch manager made about three to four thousand dollars on her bonus. This guy would make you know six to eight thousand dollars minimum on his bonus, but probably more five figures because he's in New York City and the revenue generated from these businesses he was bringing in was just amazingly great. Um, so he he was double dipping. He was getting bribes in order to facilitate these um, falsified financial records for loans. 
and he was a gold associate where he was getting a bonus for hitting his goal. Plus, he was making six figures. He was making at least 125000 a year, probably closer to two being in the city. So he was making a shit ton of money. And, um, you know, as they say in the movie Wall Street, you know, greed is good. No, it's not good. Greed is really bad because this person made an amazing living, even living in New York City at that point in time. And he decided that I want more, more, more. And I'm going to break the law. I'm going to break Bank of America Code of Ethics rules in order to get more, more, more. And it just pisses me off. And like I said, the fact of the matter is that he was responsible for 11 people. Imagine your boss going down. What a shit show that would be. Because they tell you, hey, you got to be on the straight and narrow. You can't cut corners because of audits and blah, 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 blah. This fucker was paying, allegedly, the auditors, for God's sakes. It is astounding to me. Now, it says, according to a law enforcement affidavit filed with the federal charges... Phelps told a co-conspirator that others inside the bank were involved in facilitating the scheme and receiving payoffs as well. And Austin notes that there's no other bank employees that have appeared to have been charged in the bribery scheme. Well, I'm sure they're coming, or I'm sure that they're going to be terminated at least, which is a good thing. Um, this next paragraph is what kind of pisses me off here, and it says... At the time of his arrest, Phelps was a New York City market executive for Bank of America Business Banking. That meant he was responsible for much of the bank's lending to mid-sized businesses in America's largest city. So market executive, as I mentioned, is the basically the boss of the branch managers or the boss of the relationship managers. It's about two steps away from my role at Bank of America. And it's, it's a role that's not customer-facing usually. I mean, he probably met a couple of preferred customers over the years. But it's not something where you sit at a desk and people come to you. That's just not the way market executives work. So, um, you know, to be a market executive, you have to be at the company a long time or you have to have credentials like a son of a bitch to get that job out from outside the company. But here's the thing that bugged me the most and said this meant he was responsible for lending to mid-sized businesses. I asked my wife this a few days ago whenever we were talking about this story. And I said, how much do you think you need to make in order to be considered a middle-of-the-road business in Las Cruces, New Mexico? And my wife is a smart person, most intelligent person I know outside of me. And um, she says, and she has an MBA, by the way. She says, oh, probably about $300,000 a year in revenue. And $300,000 a year in revenue pretty much goes to about $1,000 a day operating, you know, revenue for businesses, which is not a lot of money. So the fact that she lowballed it like that was pretty amazing to me because I figured she would say maybe like half a million or a million dollars or whatever. And I would probably have said the same thing. And I worked in the banking industry for 13 years. But according to Kurt Phelps's um, LinkedIn page, which is still there, by the way, it looked like he tried to scrub it, but all he did was get rid of his profile picture. But there's a fucking picture of him in his webpage already, and it's him in a, a nice suit, white collar, just like the white collar criminals wear, uh, purple tie, and he's smiling with a very expensive watch on his wrist. Um, he has his experience on here, and it says he was C senior VP and senior client manager of Merrill Lynch and then Senior VP and Market Manager of Bank of America Merrill Lynch, and then Market Executive, which is one step up for New York City Commercial Banking. And then this is what it says on his description of his job. It says, Manage a team of 11 relationship managers responsible for growing and providing, and listen to this word salad here, commercial banking financial solutions for companies. 
<laughs> Growing and providing commercial banking financial solutions. You mean opening accounts. I hate Bank of America word salad. This is word salad without dressing, without croutons. It's the blandest shit ever. It's a bunch of buzzwords that mean nothing. Providing commercial banking financial solutions. No, you open accounts and you open loans. I hate the word financial solutions whenever I would say we open 10 accounts a day. Oh no, James, how many solutions did you solve for our customers? What the fuck is that? Whatever. For companies with revenues of, now get this. This is the middle of the road businesses here. Revenues of 10 mm, that's million to you and me, 1,000 times 1,000, to 100 mm, 100 million. 10 million to 100 million dollars a year in revenue is what Bank of America defines as a middle of the road business. Are you fucking kidding me? So that means a higher end business is like Walmart or Kmart, and I figured that they would be. Kmart's a bad example because they're out of business, but Walmart for sure. <laughs> um, but $10 million to $100 million is middle of the road. I There's probably like three businesses in my footprint over here that make that much in revenue. And, and it's not because you know this town is poor, poor, but we don't have a lot of money here. And to see a business thrive like that and be middle of the road is just astounding to me. That shows you and that proves my point that Bank of America does not want to help the little guy because they think the middle of the road guy makes $100 million a year and they're in the middle. It's fucking ridiculous. It's insane is what it is. So what is a small business, small size business? And I know what you're thinking. Well, it's got to be $0 to $9.99 million, right? No, absolutely not because... I've told you this before. I never helped book the business loan at Bank of America ever. I In 13 years, I never did because a lot of people didn't meet the qualifications to even have that conversation. And that conversation was two years of being in business or 250 k in revenue or both of them you have to have. If you had one or the other, you were immediately disqualified and they would hang up on you. I've seen them hang up on people. It's ridiculous. So middle of the road business is 10 to $100 million. Lower end businesses start at two hundred fifty thousand, all the way up to nine point nine million, I guess, and that's just a ridiculous amount of money. It's an insane amount of money that in this small state, this small town, um, two hundred fifty thousand dollars can make you a very awesome living over here. So the fact that he sees that as middle of the road is just ridiculous, and the fact that he sells it as middle of the road is a testament alone to what bank of america thinks about the little guy i can't tell you how many times i've had those conversations with my business clients where they couldn't have a conversation because they go how much revenue did you make last year oh you know we had two employees but we did one hundred and ninety-five thousand in revenue i'm sorry the minimum is two hundred fifty thousand. you should ask james to apply for a bank of america credit card for you and then i apply for a credit card and be like a fucking five hundred dollar limit and what the hell is this guy going to do other than run it up and have to pay it back instead of actually using a loan to grow his business? It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Phelps's employer was referred to only as, quote, Victim Bank One in an October press release from the U.S. attorney. And I love how they're the victim here. They're the perpetrators just as much as Kurt Phelps allegedly was. And here's why. Because he did his bribery thing, he did his sales pushing thing at the behest of his boss and that boss above them. 
he wouldn't do all these untoward things if he didn't know that there was an urgent need to get shit done. And he was just trying to get a little bit more piece of the pie because he's like, damn, I might lose my job if we don't hit our goal this quarter. So I'm going to find a way to just kind of make stuff happen, make me a little bit of money just in case I have to go somewhere else. So Bank of America, the victim, I think not. Good job, federal government. Bank of America confirmed Phelps' identity and job title to the Charlotte Observer. And spokesman for Bank of America, Bill Halden, uh, an amazing spokesperson, and I'm joking, of course. Uh, can't wait till he um, releases a statement about me and my, my venture as a notorious banker. But this is what he said about Mr. Phelps here. And let me do my bank voice. <clears throat> Mr. Phelps has been fired and we are cooperating with the investigation, said Bill Halden, a spokesperson for the bank. And then he declined to say whether other bank employees have been fired or placed on leave. Well, I'm sure some of them are going to be fired. Um, they know everything, so you can't get away with anything at the bank because they will find you and they will fire you and they will make your life a living hell. Hell, if I got fired for something that was less the cost of chicken McNuggets, for God's sakes, this dude taking bribes, he's, they're going to find everyone that he ever fucking talked to at the bank. And there is an internal investigation going on. Um, I'm sure it's going to take a few weeks. And then we probably won't hear the repercussions unless someone comes out and says it. But shit's going to go down, believe you me. So the people at the Starnet Financial or Starnet Solutions, um, the company who got the loan with the falsified documents, they pled guilty to their crimes as well. And understandably so. They were caught and they're probably going to turn evidence against Kurt Phelps saying, hey, this guy told us that we can go through the system and he was really insistent on you know taking bribes and all that so we know that you know they're in on trying to get this dude prosecuted and that's kind of cool um i did a search for this starnet on google maps and i saw their address and i typed it in and if i would have seen this business's um building when I was a banker trying to do a loan for them, I would immediately think that they're bullshit and fraud. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but they, they like their office was in this like dilapidated building. And you're like, how can you get a million and a half dollar loan when you when you work out of a place like that? And um, I'll put the address on the show notes if you want to take a look at it, but it's really ridiculous. And then it says, um, the case is unusual for how long the scheme lasted, about six years, and the seniority of the bank executive who was charged. And, um, you know, they mentioned that there's checks and balances in place. And, yes, I've said that before. They double, triple, quadruple check their work because they're afraid of audits. They're afraid of getting caught doing something they shouldn't, at least the the good people at Bank of America do. Um, But here's the thing with that. Whenever, you know, they say, well, the seniority of the bank executive who got caught, well, we all know in sports, wily veterans take a little extra, you know, a little extra step. They have a little extra advantage, whether it's LeBron James, 17-year basketball pro, um, taking a third step whenever you're only allowed two in the NBA, um, you know, without bouncing the ball. He'll get that third step, and he'll get away with it because he's a wily veteran, and the refs are not going to call a ticky-tack foul on LeBron for taking a half extra step while he's trying to make a jam. You know, old pitchers in the 1980s and 70s, um, 40-year-old pitchers who don't have the strong rocket arm that they did anymore, they took advantages. They had those filing boards, those emery boards in their pocket. They had a little bit of Vaseline on their fingertips or on the bill of their cap, and they greased up that ball to give that ball a little extra zip and spin. That way they could strike a batter out. 
Now, some people were caught, yes, but now that everyone's 20, 30 years retired, they're all joking about it. It's like, yeah, I, I would just um, hawk a loogie and I'd put it on my hat, and whenever I need to throw a curveball, I would just touch my hat. I mean, shit like that happens. Veterans know how to work the system. At Bank of America, after 13 years, I knew how to take shortcuts when it came to opening accounts. Um, and when I mean shortcuts, I mean do things that still buy the book, but not exactly in the slow-ass way that the bank wants you to do it. There was ways of getting around certain things. There's ways of stacking names to, like, if, say, four people in one family came in to open an account and they all wanted to be on each other's account, I knew how to open the accounts to get sales credit for all four and then add the people's names to each individual account after the fact. You know how to fudge the system. And when, you're, when you have seniority at a bank, um, your bosses trust you. Your bosses say, hey, you've been here a long time. You know what you're doing. And then they give you the keys to the car. And they say, just don't wreck it. And people will find a way to wreck it. People will find a way to take advantage of it and not have responsibility for it. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's the biggest thing here is they trusted this guy too much or they were busy dealing with other bullshit that they just forgot to take a look at him every once in a while. And yeah, you know, whenever someone would question my work or question whether I was doing something right or wrong, I would get upset. I mean, like, I've been here 13 years. Why am I going to throw it all away for this? Well, this guy did, allegedly, you know, taking bribes and whatnot. And it's it's sad. It's sad the way that he kind of did it. But um, what can I say? Some people are so short-sighted and they think that the next job is only going to be a couple of weeks away if they lose their job for doing something bad. And, you know, like I said, I would I would be upset whenever someone would criticize my work. But I knew why they were doing it because I knew that they wanted to make sure that I was still there to help them at the end of the day. And at the end of all that, they found a $4.95 way to fire me, so go fucking figure. And it just kind of alludes to here that he was sending text messages about telling the business customer how to kind of fudge his numbers on accounts receivable in order to kind of make it look a little bit sexier for the underwriters and auditors to approve any loan that they were trying to do. And um, Austin mentions in his article that, yeah, you know, Bank of America has a team of auditors and compliance. I can tell you that. I can't tell you how many people helped with my home loan, which almost made me homeless, by the way. But it was at least a couple of dozen people. You should have seen the email threads and chains that I created whenever they were giving a shit about our home loan. So a business loan that's worth 10 times as much as my house was, you better believe there was a lot of people in on it because a lot of people saw those things. And what can I say? A lot of people would catch certain things that were wrong with that. And then they caught some text messages from 2014 the FBI did, which pretty much tells you don't fuck around and do something stupid because the FBI can look at text messages. from. And he's basically saying, uh, get the financials to me and let me see what I can do with a friend. And all these crooks while well, the crooks that were in the small business pulled their money down who <laughs> was the auditor wanted 14,000 to look the other way but he got him down to 10 so $10,000 bought off an auditor it's insane but I think a lot of people don't understand why I'm upset about this it's like hey a small business is going to help them out grow their business and the bank got their sales so everyone's a winner right well the audit part tells me one thing was wrong and that's the wrong thing and then the second part of that is that explains so much to me this year whenever I was helping people with PPP loans 
why bankers were ignoring customers, emails and phone calls, why they would say, hey, I'll get back to you on Thursday, and then 10 days later say, oh, I forgot, I had an unexpected vacation, you fucking liar. You were trying to help richer business customers get their loans first is what you were trying to do. It showed me that if you didn't have money to play the game, Kurt Phelps allegedly was not going to help you because you didn't give him a bribe. And that's what sucks about it. So I said in my video, I said, you know, he stole from the customer because taking a bribe, even if the business was complicit in giving the bribe, is still stealing because in a perfect world, that person wouldn't need to bribe someone to get the loan, you know, and whatever. But then I also say he stole from you, and I'm talking about you, the listener, because that's one less opportunity for someone to get a loan because the bank is not going to overlend people and these people who didn't deserve the loan got it means that there's a couple of less people out there, a couple of less businesses that will never get lending from Bank of America because this person who didn't deserve it did because someone took a bribe. And he let down Bank of America. You know, I, I don't like Bank of America, but I do have a little bit of respect for the system and how it works. And people like him impact the 206,000 other employees there. Because now that's all I'm talking about for 20 minutes and 30 minutes is this dude doing shit like that. And it's hard to say, okay? And it's, and there was something that um, one of the security consultants said, if there's any credibility about him being able to bribe other people in the bank, there's that's a much broader problem. The regulators are going to need to determine if this is a situation. Well, the regulators, who knows what they're going to say? Who knows what they're going to do? But obviously, if it's a one-off situation, it's not because you don't just you don't just wake up and commit a felony like that. You have to develop that in your head. And I've I've talked about this stuff before, and I hate getting deep into like people's faith and stuff like that. But I remember there was a, a well-known pastor in Colorado who got um, arrested for possessing meth. And he um, was going to meet up with a, a male prostitute. And the only reason I remember that story because the, the male prostitute's name was Mike Jones, like the rapper. And what happened was he got arrested for possessing meth and going to have a dalliance with a, with a male hooker. And whenever he talked about it in the media and the press, and he, he cleaned up his act. He admitted he had a drug problem. And he tried to rehabilitate rehabilitate himself and I don't know where he's at now but whenever he first got caught in in the act of the drug part I don't necessarily care about the male hooker part but the drug part he said I woke up and I just had this feeling that I wanted to do meth <laughs> you don't you don't develop that immediately you you have to have taken something else before or even done weed or just drink and say hey I've been told that this next step is the biggest kick so you don't just randomly just do all those things at once. You know You know what I mean? There was one instance in my life where I did that. And I, I don't like fish usually. But one morning I wanted to try anchovies on pizza. And I tried it and I loved it. And it's something that I'll do occasionally whenever I'm alone. Which is rarer and rarer now because we both work from home. You don't just develop a criminal record or a criminal mind. And get caught the first time. This guy did it multiple times in my opinion. And I'm sure Bank of America is going to investigate. Terminate the people involved. And they're going to do what they can to kind of let the regulators um, look the other direction. They're going to try to bullshit their way out of this the way that they always do. 
when in reality we need to look deeper at what's going on because I have said on this podcast this summer, last year, the year before that, I have said the Bank of America purposefully looks the other way when it comes to people not getting the help that they need when it comes to lending, home loans, business loans, car loans, whatever, uh, because they just don't want to help certain people. Well, they helped someone here get a loan through, allegedly, which was uh, a bad loan because they didn't have the qualifications for it. And their associate took a bribe, and that associate more than likely got a quarterly bonus from Bank of America for getting that loan, for hitting a goal, and for taking that bribe. That's bullshit, and that's wrong. So props to Austin for the article. Uh, Props to the federal government for arresting this knucklehead, and I really hope he goes away for a long time. No country club prison. Dude, go to federal prison for 10 years and learn about what you did. And anyone else who was involved in it, I hope they go to prison too. Because this is the only way to dissuade people. And and I've said it before. The people who work at Bank of America when confronted are a bunch of cowards. They really are. You know, I, I've gotten bullied my whole life. At the end of the day, all the people who bullied me and who made me feel like crap, including the people at Bank of America, mind you, They're worthless. They're spineless people. So when you confront them, when you go up to them, they'll fold like lawn chairs, okay? That's just the way that they are. So hopefully this will break them and hopefully some shit will get straightened out over there. So once again, I'll link to it in the show notes. So please take a look at that. Make a click, support local newspapers, and understand one thing. This story is insane to me on so many levels because... The person arrested is a person that would have been my boss. And to to know that my boss in El Paso, Texas, had this holier-than-thou attitude about, you need to do things ethically, you need to do things right, and blah, blah, blah. Like, always telling you that you need to watch out and be ethical and do this and that because you have a really responsible uh, role at Bank of America that you can lose your job and you can lose the bank's credibility and all that shit. And then that job title is running around taking bribes. Fuck that. Go to prison, all of you. (laughs) Uh, Go to hell, Kurt Phelps. What can I say? And you're innocent until proven guilty. But everything in the article makes sense. And I'm just giving my opinion. After this brief promotional consideration, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm just going to talk about um, the next steps in the Notorious Banker. So please stick... Hey everyone, it's James, a notorious banker, inviting you to join me on my TikTok page. Yes, it's true. A 37-year-old man has a TikTok page. It's at Notorious Banker. The Notorious Banker on TikTok is going to continue to provide commentary about the news and notes from big banks and how they are impacting consumers nationwide. But we're going to add a little bit of spice to it. We're going to add a little bit of comedy, a little bit of music. I really think you can get a message across with entertainment, and TikTok does provide that. The Notorious Banker always had to provide scripting whenever he worked in the big banking industry, so scripting out skits to show people the horrors of big banking is no problem to me. So go to at Notorious Banker on TikTok and see the creative mind that is yours truly, the Notorious Banker, fight back against big banks and inform the young people about the dangers of big banks. So once again, the Notorious Banker on TikTok, at Notorious Banker. I hope to see you there. All right, we're back with more Notorious Banker. If you heard the last segment where I'm talking about um, Kurt Phelps, the person who allegedly took bribes in exchange for small business loans, and you heard that whole segment, I do apologize for some inconsistencies in the audio. 
my computer has took a massive dump in the last week or so, and sometimes it freezes whenever I'm recording the podcast, so I didn't I didn't hear the end result until after it was too late, until after I processed it. Um, you didn't really miss much, though, from what I know that what I was rambling about, that I had to cut out the dead air. I do know that Kurt Phelps did mention that he called one of the people that he sent part of his bribe to within the Bank of America loan process, I believe one of the auditors or underwriters, he called him an ass clown. <laughs> and I don't know if he just wanted me to say the word ass clown, but that is what he called him according to FBI documents. <clears throat> and, you know, basically everything that I talked about that I had to cut out just had to do with just my opinion on, you know, seniority and what Phelps was thinking whenever he allegedly took the bribe and whenever he sent it up the chain. So he didn't miss much on there. Fact of the matter is this dude needs to go to jail. He needs to go to jail for a long time. So I do apologize about that. I'm going to try to figure out what's going on with this damn computer this week. It's been eight days since I've recorded a podcast, and I want to make sure that I get back to my normal consistency, especially now that I'm doing other things with TikTok and Twitter, of course, as always. But I want to make sure that I'm there for you, and I know a lot of you listen to this podcast. So I wanted to, um, before I end the show and um, do my final segment here, I wanted to take the time to thank you for listening to that because I was cringing at some of the weird dead spots on there. So it was not your mp3 player if people even have those anymore or your phone or anything it was just um just some crappy glitches that were happening while recording um i only wanted to do one main topic today with that but i did want to let you guys know that um this past week was really important for me because i made a decision based on what's going on with the unemployment situation in the state of california where hundreds of thousands of people have had their unemployment debit cards from bank of america frozen They are frozen. They are unemployed, and it's the first week of the month, and they can't pay their rent. They can't pay their bills because Bank of America made a decision to freeze their debit cards due to, quote, fraud reasons. And it's 350,000 people, and there's a lot of weird shit going on that Bank of America is doing, and I can't take it anymore. Um, I made it a point to help everyone with the Notorious Banker Project at Bank Better Guy on Twitter. Um, Anytime Bank of America seemingly screwed them over, but I'm going to be blunt with you guys. This thing is way over my head. This thing is like an, its whole area code and um, it needs to be stopped. And it, thankfully the people, the congressmen and women senators, or I don't know what the hell they are in California, assemblymen, assemblywomen, whatever. The people that go to Sacramento and they do legislature and all that stuff. Those people are talking in the state of California about fixing the options for California unemployment to give them a more firm direct deposit option rather than having to um, whore out their unemployment to Bank of America, for lack of a better term. So I'm really grateful for those politicians for doing that. I'm not really one to give props to politicians because I wanted to remain neutral on this podcast for you know either side. I'm not... I don't talk about politics the way that other people do because I find it boring. But 59 people, I believe it was, Democrats and Republicans have banded together to say, hey, Bank of America, get your shit together, get these people their money. So I was really um, taken aback by what Bank of America is doing. And frankly, I decided and I made a decision that... um, 
I talked about it in a 50-minute video on YouTube, and I'll link to that in the show notes if you haven't seen it already, about my theories as to why Bank of America is fucking up California's unemployment. And I have some logical theories as to why I think things are going on, and it's nothing that's proprietary or confidential. It's my opinion from 13 years of working at a bank, what I think's going on behind the scenes, and why I think California is getting royally screwed by B of A, and hopefully up to and including the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, takes a look at my video and sees something and, and says, hey, maybe we should pose this to Bank of America. Uh, because at this point, I don't care anymore. The the million two hundred thousand in recovered dollars that yours truly has done um, at Bank Better Guys Vigilante Customer Service with um, check fraud issues, fraud claims that people get denied, you know, overdraft fees, monthly fees, and all that, that's peanuts compared to the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars that are being fucked around by Bank of America and California. It is a crime, and people need to go to jail that we're running that EDD thing. I'm just throwing everyone in jail, right? But it is a crime, and Bank of America is doing some crazy stuff. It's my personal opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion, but you know what? I feel it in my bones. Something screwy is going on with Bank of America and California unemployment. So I made this decision this week. Um, I had talked to a reporter. I won't mention the name or the publication just in case my words don't get into that publication. But I spent over an hour and a half talking to this reporter um, about what I do, about what I've seen, what I believe as a, quote, bank expert working at Bank of America for 13 years, why I feel the Bank of America is apathetic about California unemployment and the whole nine. So I did an interview. I'm coming out as quasi-public now. I always said that I was going to, you know, just have this big announcement where I'm public. I'm a notorious banker, and I'm going to take on Bank of America and Wells Fargo face-to-face. Well, I'm not quite there yet, but I did an interview with this publication. It's not too small, but it's not too big, and I wanted to spend time talking to someone, which I rarely do, and I joked with the reporter about it over the phone that, you know, I've had my iPhone for six months now, and I probably spend 50% of my talk time talking to her in that one conversation because I don't even talk to my wife on the phone because my wife is literally six feet away from me working in in the other bedroom over here. So um, it's a new day and it's 2020 um, coming to an end, 2021 coming very soon. And I've been doing this since December 2018, coming up on the two-year anniversary of this podcast. I said, fuck it. You know, I'm all in. It's time to go public. And it's time to tell people what you really believe. I'm not a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. I am someone who thinks logically and analytically from all the time I worked at Bank of America. I didn't know what I was doing in the banking industry until I worked at Bank of America. And I took it all in. I didn't want to look like an idiot. I didn't want to look stupid. So I just made sure I asked questions no matter how dumb. Hey, what happens when this you know happens? Or what happens here? What happens there? What... I did that in order to take in that information. That way I could sound like the smartest guy in the room uh, when helping people at Bank Better Guy on Twitter. During the conversation that I had this interview about California unemployment, like I've told the reporter, I don't have direct information about California unemployment in general. I can just go off the apathy that Bank of America has for their consumer customers, and I can kind of apply it to a lot of situations that people are going through there. Whereas, you know, people are getting their cards stolen and it's being used across the country, across the world. And Bank of America is telling these people, some of them who are disabled, some of them who have no means of transportation, that's why they're poor, they're unemployed. Where Bank of America is saying, yeah, we we know that it was you because the pin was entered correctly. Well, no shit, it was entered correctly because someone stole it. And people are stealing money from Bank of America ATMs. And basically what I talked about in my YouTube video 
is you know a lot of people are stealing money from Bank of America ATMs using other people's debit cards and according to liability shift and it's a long complicated story but what I'm getting at is who's responsible for paying you back whenever it's clearly fraud on you while in the instance of the ATM not being able to protect that individual from fraud it's the ATM owner well, the ATM owners, Bank of America, and the EDD unemployment debit card holders, Bank of America. So Bank of America is just going to have to eat the $1,000 withdrawal that a lot of people are getting done to them. And then they're going to have to pay $1,000 back to the customer. No, fuck that. You know from my conversations with customers all across the country, Bank of America will tell someone to their face. And we had B in Arizona had $7,600 taken from him. And he was in Arizona, and the checks that allegedly were cashed by him were in New York City. He had never been to New York City before. And Bank of America said, oh, yeah, we got you on tape. So, yeah, declined. We know that Bank of America does this, and we know Bank of America is doing this in California. And frankly, I do not care anymore. If my project, The Notorious Banker, is going to take off, and if it's going to allow me to monetize this niche market that I have here, which is consumer advocacy with a mission, with a passion unlike any other, where I'm able to help customers and tell tell the customers why the bank that they're choosing sucks and why they need to be better and why banks need to step up to the plate and take ownership of this situation and say, hey, you know what? If we can't help this customer, then we shouldn't have this customer. And the people who, uh, and to the banks who aren't like Bank of America and Wells Fargo, and they believe themselves to be better, say, hey, Mr. Customer, you know, we're sorry what happened to you at Bank of America. We would gladly love to have your business over here, and we're going to show you why we're different. Why the hell do you think I've had sponsors before? Why do you think I've had amazing sponsors such as Casasa before? I've, you know, a year and a half ago, I had a, I had a sponsor from a bank who didn't even really know who I was, but they knew that I had a mission to talk to people about banking, and they found it really entertaining, and they gave me money for that, and I've I've you know received money uh, for sponsorships since then as well, and it's really really cool, and it's I'm really proud of that because I worked really hard at doing what I do, and um, this consumer advocacy thing is one part of it, but I need to make money too, I need to earn a living, so you know what, it's time to go public. Um, I dare anyone from Bank of America take me on with um, facts because I got them too. And I got life experience and I got diaries and journals of 13 years of working at Bank of America documenting every single thing that went right and every, sing- every single thing that went wrong that day. I have hundreds of thousands of words of my life put onto a Word file. You know what I mean? I've written three books. Um, two of them have been about mostly my dating and personal life, but then I wrote one about Vegas. I know how to document experiences because documenting experiences is, is are what people do these days. Why the fuck do you think TikTok is so popular, Instagram and Snapchat? You know, those things are popular because people want to document their life for the world to see. I'm eating this thing that you should be eating now, so fuck you. I'm eating it and not you. I'm in Hawaii right now tanning on the beach and you're not so middle finger to you. Look at me kissing my boyfriend. Look at me kissing my girlfriend. I'm kissing them because you can't kiss them because they're mine. That's the way the world is. It's just the way that it is, folks, and documentation of life is important to me. I've documented my life at Bank of America. I continue to document my life with this podcast and my project telling you what I do when I do it. And I'm sharing with you stories of my life as a bank teller, as a bank manager, 
And I'm really looking forward to the next couple of years of this, hopefully um, better paid. <laughs> um, so I took the next step. I was kind of afraid, and I had an interview with a reporter. It went well. We talked about the things that are important to me, which is helping these people in the state of California that I just cannot help. And I'm telling her why it's happening, and I'm hoping that it comes out in print. That way some person, some politician somewhere sees that and says, fuck that, we're coming after Bank of America and we're taking them on. We're taking on the big banks. Remember that gumption that people had in 2009 and 2010? Well, I'm hoping for that same stuff now, man. I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping for the Katie Porters of the world, someone fierce, someone who's a fucking animal, just tearing them apart and telling telling them, hey, why did you rip off these people who didn't have jobs, who couldn't pay their rent, who couldn't pay their electric bill, who are in a fucking three-mile line on Thanksgiving, you know, in the hopes of getting a frozen turkey and some store-brand corn and instant potatoes. I need people like that. So if my conversation can help breed that, if my conversation with um, a reporter can help stimulate that thought in their mind to where someone else is going to ask those questions, that's why I did it. And I did mention that to the reporter as well. I said, you know what? At the end of the day, this project that I'm doing is for me and it's for my sake and I want to make this a full-time career. But I'm nothing if I don't try to help these people in California. I'm just one guy, but this one guy can influence um, the opinions and minds of hundreds of thousands of people as long as you give me time to do it and a platform to do it. And I made my own platform, thank you very much. So I'm coming, Bank of America and State of California. As I mentioned in my YouTube video, I do not hold you accountable for the flaws that Bank of America has. I hold you accountable for the flaw that you trusted Bank of America. You thought just because it was bigger, it's the best. Sometimes it's not. There are so many amazing banks in the state of California who would have loved to have that contract, and they probably would have been overwhelmed, but they would have worked their ass off to make sure that that was you know, way better done than Bank of America ever did. Because Bank of America got in over their head with that, in my personal opinion. So shame on you for that, but other than that, I am not pinning the blame on the state of California. It's all on Bank of America. I explained why in the YouTube video, so please check it out. The link to it is in the show notes. But as for right now, we're going to work on this computer. We're going to post this podcast here on Saturday night, December 5th. And we are going to be out of time right now. So thank you very much for listening to this podcast. My name is James Notorious Banker, at Notorious Banker on TikTok. James at thenotoriousbanker.com. Thenotoriousbanker.com is my website. You can take a look at my project on there. My podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And search for The Notorious Banker on YouTube. Um, it's soon to be branded The Notorious Banker TV. I posted two videos this week, one on our Mr. Phelps here, and the other one about California EDD. A uh, full episode of The Notorious Banker TV will um, be premiering next week, so be there aloha, as my um, idol Keith Oberman says. I got a lot going on, and I am willing, and I got the effort. I've been staying up till 2 o'clock every morning, uh, working on content, working on conversations to make sure that you, the customer, get gets helped, and you, the customer, gets the help that you sorely need. I'm going to work my ass off to the bone for that, my friends. So if you believe in what I do, if you believe in my project, please go to patreon.com slash notoriousbanker, where for as little as $1, and I, I recommend you do 5 or $15. You can help the Notorious Banker fight back against big banks because I got the skill, I got the will, and when I shoot, I shoot to kill. That's the song Jump Around by House of Pain, and that's also the motto for James the Notorious Banker. 
I've never I've never shot a real gun in my life, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking I'm shooting lyrics and I'm shooting words and I am shooting conversations that banks are afraid of. I'm giving people the ammunition that they need to fight back against big banks and what I'm talking about is the words and the shame that banks need to have. Till we meet again, my friends, my name is James Notorious Banker not understanding where the hell I just came up with that House of Pain lyric, for God's sakes. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm tired and drunk or something. Uh, I don't drink anywhere. I'm just kidding. Um, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully, when my computer is fixed. So take a look at the rest of my content if you want to see what the hell I'm doing. And that's going to be fighting back against big banks. But until then, my friends, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, have a good day.